Good day, and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference call with Mel Kuyper, Jr. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Allie Stoneberg. Please go ahead. Thank you, Justin. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. A reminder to please skip personal greetings and start right away with your question. I thank you in advance for your help keeping this call efficient. We'll begin today with a question from Jameson Hensley, followed by Mike Barber with the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Mel, um, no. is there any chance that either Leonard Fournette or Delvin Cook slip out of the top 15, and if you don't think that's going to be the case, do you think they have enough value that a team in the middle of the first round uh, might consider trading up for, for either one? You know, Jameson, I don't know about training up for a running back at this stage. They're not certainly the grade of Fournette I don't think will be high enough uh, to say he's in that Elliott, uh, you know, stratosphere. Uh, Cook, uh, you know, and then you have, remember, you have a lot of depth at running back, too, you know, with McCaffrey and, uh, and Deontay Foreman uh, from Texas. And I, there's a lot of other backs in this draft that I really like. And, of course, the Ravens got Kenneth Dixon in the fourth round last year, which was a heck of a pick for them. But, but uh, you know, Matthew Days from NC State, uh, you have Jamal Williams at BYU, and uh, D'Angelo Henderson at Coastal Carolina is an interesting kid. So I think there's, there's so much depth where, I and mean, look at last year with Jordan Howard in the fifth round, Paul Perkins in the fifth round. Uh, you, know, you always find those types of guys. So I don't think there will be a team maybe looking to trade up for the running back this year. We'll go to Mike Barber, followed by Daryl Slater with the Newark Star-Ledger. Uh, Mel, I was curious, when you look at Gerard Evans uh, at Virginia Tech, what is the outlook for him, and how do teams evaluate a guy who uh, only played one year at the FBS level? Well, it's not easy, and then certainly you look at Evans, I thought for sure he'd go back, and I understand you're losing, you know, uh, you know, wide receiver, and, you know, that's a very good player, and Isaiah Ford, and a, and a tight end, has a lot of talent, and Bucky Hodges, I get all that, but I think another year really would have helped him. Uh, but, you know, you come out, you're probably going to be the sixth quarterback taken, more than likely, uh, so you're not going to be that uh, first, I don't think a first round player, or maybe even a second round uh, prospect. Uh, so it's not easy, and a lot of teams have a philosophy that the, you know you have to have a certain number of starts to warrant being a certain draft pick and uh, having a, chance, a better chance for success in the NFL. A lot of people believe in that Bill Parcells theory. So you know, you, by coming out after a limited number of starts in just one year, you kind of also limit the amount of teams that may have that interest, that strong interest. So I thought uh, he should have gone back for another year. Daryl Slater followed by Matthew Fairburn with the Syracuse Post Standard. Yeah, Mel, regarding the Jets at, at number six, um, I know you I know you have them pack, passing on Deshaun Watson right now, and I know they have Hackenberg in the fold, but uh, why do you have them passing on Watson, and do you think, say, Trubisky falls there, do you think they should take him? Well, you know, you have a coach that has to win. So, I mean, you already drafted Hackenberg in the second round. You can say, well, he didn't show anything, but who does? I mean, when you don't play and you're coming off the injury and, and you had the struggles late in your career as a sophomore and junior, uh, you know, you kind of kind of recreate what we saw as a freshman under Bill O'Brien. So all of a sudden you give up on a quarterback you drafted just because as a rookie he didn't play. Um, you know, I, I don't believe that. So uh, I don't think Trubisky will be there at six. I think Watson, you know, certainly could. And if he is, uh, you know, I mean, sure, it'd be under consideration, but when you need to win, you've got to get a player that can be a hole filler. And Marshawn Lattimore, the corner from Ohio State, could. Mike Williams, the wide receiver from Clemson, would be a great addition. So I think there's going to be too many players that fill holes that are impact players, hopefully as rookies, over a quarterback when you draft one in the second round last year. Matthew Fairburn, followed by Jim Wyatt with the Tennessee Titans Online. 
No, I know you had uh, the Bills taking Deshaun Watson, at 10. and I'm wondering what might be some fallback options for them, and I was also wondering your thoughts on Syracuse wide receiver Amba at the Tau. Yeah, I have a third-round grade on the Syracuse receiver, and in terms of other, I, yeah, it wasn't easy to see for Watson. I just, I'm trying to find a spot, the Jets we just discussed. Cleveland, would he be there at 12? And I gave him the Buffalo. Uh, but I think you look at, uh, you know, a very variety of positions they could go. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, a guy like Garrett Bowles, the offensive tackle at Utah, Ryan Ramchek, the offensive tackle at Wisconsin, would help out the offensive line. Uh, like I say, there's, there's going to be plenty of, of cornerbacks available in this draft. Uh, it, it can help. Uh, this is a, a strong draft in a variety of positions. Uh, it's a strong defensive draft. 21 of the 32 de- uh, players in the first round are defensive players. There's a lot of depth for a variety of spots in this draft. So uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they would take a quarterback. I needed a spot for him. I needed one that made sense. New coach, new quarterbacks, always a good scenario. That's the same thing that would happen up at number two with the 49ers if Kyle Shanahan's the coach taking Mitch Trubisky. Same thing would happen in Buffalo uh, as well. So that was the rationale behind it, but there are certainly other need areas that they could look to fill here. Jim Wyatt followed by Josh Katzenstein with the Times Secure. Mel, a year ago, the Titans end off season with the number one pick. John Robinson ends up making a move this year. They've got number five and 18 in the first round. How do you like their power or position there with those two first-round picks, and what could you envision John Robinson doing this year? I think they've got to get help in the secondary. I think that's the critical area of need. And I thought about giving them a lot of more from Ohio State at five. I went with Mike Williams knowing that you could get a corner at 18, whether it be Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, whether it be, say, a Tease Tabor or Quincy Wilson, both of whom are from Florida. You know, you got the, the Cordray Tankersley from Clemson, Sidney Jones from Washington. There's a lot of corners in this draft that are going to go in the first round. Uh, Tredavious White's another one from LSU that's maybe late first or early second round. So uh, they can get corners if they want the safety. There's plenty of those. I got four in the first round. But also a wide receiver like Mike Williams would give them that go-to option for Marcus Mariota, which is kind of what they need right now. So if you can get the wide receiver at five, then get the corner at 18, uh, you would be well on your way to fill. You obviously would have filled needs. You could draft another DB, take advantage of the depth, and draft another DB or two as well. I don't think they're going to draft one defensive back. I think they're going to draft two or three over the seven rounds of the draft. Josh Katzenstein, followed by Andy Bider with the Roanoke Times. Mel, I know you have uh, the same taken Ruben Foster in your mock, but uh, I think most people would agree that they need help on the edge more than anything else. Just wondering, what's your overall assessment of the defensive end class this year, and then who are some guys that would be a good complement to uh, Cameron Jordan? Well, you know, that's an area where you know, it has to fall properly. And like I said, I had, you know, obviously Garrett, Allen, Solomon Thomas. Well, Taco Charlton would be the best pass rusher. Uh, Derek Barnett uh, would be right in there. So Taco Charlton from Michigan, Derek Barnett would be in there, of course, in Tennessee. But I thought the best player uh, when they were picking, that's what i got to do is try to fill a need and also get the best player. And you don't always go to just a number one need. And the way it worked out, I had the fourth best player on my board being there at 11. So it was a no-brainer for me that Ruben Foster would make more sense than the guys I mentioned at defensive end. We'll go to Andy Bider, followed by Kyle Martin with Raiders.com. Hey, Mel, sorry to bombard you with Virginia Tech questions here in the early No, morning. not at all. Uh, I know you uh, talked about Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges in the past. I was curious about a fullback, Sam Rogers, and, yeah. and how he might fit into the, the draft picture, knowing that a lot of NFL teams don't use a fullback as, as much as they used to. 
No, he's right now, right up there with Shane Smith at San Jose State and a couple other guys. There's another fullback uh, at uh, you know Kyle Uzcheck came out of Harvard. Anthony Ferkser comes out of that same school. Uh, you got you know, the, you know Tyler McCluskey for the Houston, a couple other guys. So there are some fullbacks this year. Uh, but Rogers is at the top right now, and he's a versatile kid. He's a great uh, you know hardworking football player who can give you a little running dimension, uh, catch the ball out of the backfield very very effectively, block adequately. He's kind of a Kyle Uzcheck type, is who I would kind of compare him to uh, as well. So. There are a limited amount of opportunities, but I would think when you get into the fourth, fifth round areas where I would see, I could see Sam Rogers coming off the board. Kyle Martin followed by Matt Barbato with Cox Media. Hey, Mel. Um, I noticed that you got uh, Malik McDowell going to the Raiders at the 24th pick. What do you see from him on film, and what's his game like? He's an enigma. Uh, you know, he's got all his talent, and he showed it two years ago, and then this year he – it was underwhelming. I mean, his grade kept dropping. He's now 20 on the big board. I got him going to the Oakland at 24. Uh, yeah, he should be in the top five based on talent. He should be a top five pick, but the production wasn't there. The consistency wasn't there. Now, they had the injury late, but, uh, yeah, he needed to really uh, step up, and I thought he could have been one of the elite defensive players in this draft, and as I said, his performance was underwhelming. So he's kind of an underachiever right now, and somebody's going to roll the dice. They want inside pressure coming up the gut. Oakland does, and he can provide that. I mean, there's no question. He could end up being a really good pick at that point if he can push the right buttons and get this kid to maximize all that ability. So for what they need – Inside pressure, inside pass pressure. Uh, yeah, hey, he has the ability to provide that. Matt Barbato followed by Therese Taylor with the Kansas City Star. Hey, Mel, you've got the Dallas Cowboys taking uh, Sidney Jones, Washington cornerback at number 28, but you wrote in your explanation that the Cowboys have a glaring need at defensive end. So I'm curious in this scenario why you went with Jones over, say, Charles Harris or Derek Barnett, who you had going a couple of picks later. Yeah, it depends on the grade again. Uh, yeah, and then also Harris could play on his feet as a as a three four outside linebacker as Barnett could. Uh, Barnett, I want to see how he tests. Uh, he was a really good college player. Is he explosive enough? Does he test out well enough? Uh, that's the question there. He could even be gone a little earlier. So I kind of Barnett could have gone anywhere between say thirteen and, and where I gave him to Atlanta at thirty one. So he's a fluid. There's a fluid rating on him for that reason. I want to see how he tests. Uh, so he may not even be there for the Cowboys. I thought the depth at corner would allow somebody like Tankersley or Jones or Travis White, a good corner, to still be there. But there is a chance. Uh, there's a couple other defensive ends uh, that would also be at least in the discussion at that particular point, and that would be a guy like Jordan Willis at Kansas State and also Carl Lawson coming out of Auburn. So there's, this is a great defensive line draft. It's a great defensive draft overall, and I think that would allow the Cowboys to either get the cornerback or the, uh, the pass rusher. Therese Taylor, followed by Cameron Wolf with the Denver Post. Hey, Mel, I've got two questions for you. Sure. The first, I got the first one is this. Chiefs pick 27. What are some of the positions that you feel offer the best value in the back of the first round? And then I got a second one for you. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, of where they're uh, going to be picking, as you said, uh, that later later portion. I mean, they, you think about you know why you know look at the way they played late in the year and look at the, the playoff game. I mean, you have Tyreek Hill, who's a versatile do it all guy, and then you got Kelsey, the tight end. You need a, a true wide receiver, and I thought about John Ross. Ross is a return man, but you have Hill for that role. So, you know, a small receiver with great speed. Now you bring in Corey Davis, who has the size and has the ability uh, in terms of the length. 
to be a guy who can be a real fear factor player. He's had a great career with with Western Michigan. Uh, P.J. Fleck, the former coach there, raved about his work ethic. So he was the first player on the practice field, last one off the practice field. Uh, really a good kid, a hard worker. So uh, Corey Davis from Western Michigan, I think, would be the best value. Uh, they got to get them. Remember, they passed on what they had all that great wide receiver draft a few years ago, and they didn't take the receiver. Now, hey, they got a good player, uh, you know, in the secondary in Peters. But at some point, I think John Dorsey, the GM there, is going to have to address wide receiver, and I think this could be the year. Justin, if you can open Therese's line, I think he had one last thing. Sure, just one second. Okay, the second thing is, who are some potential quarterback options that could be there in the first round and also the second round as well? Yeah, I mean, they tried to get Paxton Lynch last year, and then, of course, they, they passed on uh, you know, Zach, Zach Prescott. They had three third, uh, three fourth-round picks, and they took Kevin Hogan, who they let go. So, you know, you know Andy Reid's going to draft the quarterback. He always does. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes in the second round would be a guy that I, I have a very high grade on right now. Uh, I think you look at guys later on, Antonio Pitkin from Tiffin, who's going to be at the Senior Bowl, could be a, a late-round guy to keep an eye on there. But and Brad Kaya from Miami, it would be interesting to see where Brad Kaya comes off the board in that third or fourth-round area. But early on, I think Patrick Mahomes would be a, a guy that I think is going to gain a lot of momentum and end up being a second-round pick. Cameron Wolf, followed by Jason Leeser with the Palm Beach, Palm Beach Post. Um, now, who do you uh, see as fits for the Broncos on both sides of the trenches? I know you had Bowles going to him in your mock, and who sticks out to you in the tight end class? Well, I think that's a great tight end class, uh, you know, in terms of the top, and I think there is some really good depth at that position. Uh, O.J. Howard, Alabama, I wish he would have got the ball a lot more. I think Alabama Crimson Tide fans wish that as well. He didn't, uh, but he's got that ability, and he'll, uh, you know, he'll drop a catchable ball every now and then, but for the most part, he's a, he's a tremendous weapon that they didn't utilize, in my opinion, enough. Bucky Hodges, at Virginia Tech, another kind of an enigma. You thought he could be a top, you know, 15 to 20 pick. He didn't play like that, but he should test well. He's got tremendous size. Uh, David and Joku from Miami of Florida. Get a great year. Look at the labor portion of the season. Most of his touchdown catches came over the second half of the season. Uh, he can stretch the deep middle. He's got tremendous speed and athletic ability. I think he could be. I thought about giving him the New England in the late first. I gave him O.J. Howard. Could have given him very easily David Njoku. Jake Butt, of course, Michigan's coming off the injury. Jordan Leggett, Clemson, uh, had the one drop in the national championship game but made a number of key catches in that game. Cole Hickettini, Louisville, has a third-round grade. Gerald Everett is a move tight end at South Alabama. has a fourth-round grade. And Adam Shaheen, the former basketball player at Ashland, a D2 school, uh, he's coming out early. He should uh, test well enough, and they like former basketball players at tight end. So keep an eye on Adam Shaheen from Ashland as maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. And there's depth even behind that. So this is the year. If you want a tight end, this is the year you should be able to get one. Jason Leisure followed by Suzanne Halliburton with the Austin American Statesman. Uh, Mel, the, the Dolphins need help at uh linebacker and tight end picking 22nd and 54th do you uh do you believe those are their two biggest needs and what kind of value do you think they can get at those positions with those first and second round picks yeah i definitely do i have jared davis the linebacker from florida who's got great versatility and when he was healthy he was a, a tackling machine uh at miami uh excuse me at florida with the gators and going to miami he would fill a big need i had a chance to see the dolphins up close against the ravens and the Ravens did whatever they wanted against that defense. So I think the back seven needs help, and it starts at linebacker with the Dolphins, and getting the kind of local product Jared Davis would be a, a real good uh, starting point. And in the tight end position, you can address 
if you want to go to Miami, Florida's David and Joe Koo in that second round mix, he may not even be there. He may end up being a first round pick. So after that, you got to take advantage of the depth at that spot. A kid I, I, I think would be really good is Cole Hickatini out of Louisville. I think if you can get Hickatini in the third or fourth round, I think uh, that would make sense. And as I said, the Shaheen from Ashland maybe fifth or sixth round. So uh, I think they can get the uh, they can get the linebacking help and they can get the tight end help in this draft. Suzanne Halliburton, followed by Paul Domowicz with the Philadelphia Daily News. Hey, Mel, I noticed on your um, mock draft today that there are no Big 12 players that you've got in your top 32. You talked about Patrick Mahomes. Who else among the league players could get into the conversation for the first round or at least be um, second-day draft picks? Well, I think you look at uh, the guys that I had the closest to uh, being in there, and that's, that's, you know, when you go to Oklahoma, uh, you know, Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, uh, the two running backs, have, uh, both have uh, grades. Obviously, the off-the-field concern with Mixon, based on what happened there, is, is going to be in there. D.D. Westbrook uh, has a very good grade as well uh, from Oklahoma. Then you go to some of the other guys that I think have a chance to be uh, in that early round discussion. Katie Cannon from Baylor, he should run well, he should test well. I think he would be... Uh, one to consider. I think you look at Oklahoma State and Vincent Taylor, the defensive tackle. I think he has a chance to be maybe in that second or third round range uh, coming out of Oklahoma State. Uh, and then, like I said, Jordan Willis, the defensive end out of Kansas State. I have right now an early to mid second round grade on him. And I think yeah, he could certainly go in. And Rasul Douglas, the cornerback at West Virginia, he'll be at the senior bowl. He's got a chance to be maybe a, a third or fourth rounder. Tyler Orlowski, the center at West Virginia. I have a pretty good grade on him. I think he could be a third or fourth round pick. And then we mentioned Mahomes. Uh, like I said, I have a second round grade on him. I like him an awful lot. So there's some really good players coming out of the Big 12. It's just, like I say, not that defined right now, clear-cut first-round draft choice. Paul Domowicz followed by Andrew Kramer with the Star Tribune. Yeah, Mel, what are the biggest differences between the two Florida corners, Quincy Wilson and Tease Tabor? Well, I think Wilson may be a little bit more well-rounded. Tabor's the big play guy. I mean, Tabor's the guy, kind of like Marcus Peters, uh, that type of player. He's got a real good, uh, tremendous ball skills and knows for the ball. Uh, opportunistic, uh, you know, Wilson maybe a little bit more complete and well-rounded, but both, and ironically, it didn't, I didn't try to do this, uh, it just worked that way, and I noticed that even after I, I didn't even notice that until I finished the first round, I had Tabor going 13, and then Philadelphia the next pick taking Quincy Wilson, so I had the corners going at Florida going back-to-back picks, which, I don't know, it's happened before where we've had some of those things happen, and you know, I didn't do it on purpose, so it just worked that way, uh, with, uh, those two corners going at 13 and 14 out of Florida, and then I also had Davis, the my linebacker from Florida, going at 22 to Miami, but uh, I think if you look at, at, at Tabor, uh, yeah, just, I think the big playability that he provides may give him just the slightest of edges. Andrew Kramer, followed by Jim Klein-Peter with the New Orleans Times-Picune. Hey, Mel, are the Vikings going to need to trade back up into the first round to find themselves a tackle who can help day one, and if not, who are some guys in the second round that could help them right away? Yeah, this is, a, this is not the, you know, the first round is only going to have, I think, three offensive tackles. That would be a Cam Robinson, Alabama, and Ryan Ramchick, Wisconsin, and Garrett Bowles from Utah. I think a couple of guys are intriguing. Deion Dawkins, I liked him at Temple. You can go to ESPN.com. I wrote him up uh, during the season on ESPN.com as an under-the-radar guy who I thought had a really good chance. Another guy I wrote up as well, Taylor Moten from Western Michigan. Antonio Garcia from Troy is a kid I like. Uh, so I think those three, Dawkins, Moten, and Garcia, uh, would be in that second and third round area that could be really nice players because uh, I think Moten's versatility really is a plus. 
and I thought Dawkins and Garcia graded out well. So I think uh, it's not a great year at all. Uh, it's probably a mediocre year for offensive tackles in general, but I think those are three that I really like just in terms of being bargains uh, when they're going to be picked. Jim Kleinpeter followed by Michael Nizolik with the Columbus Ledger Inquirer. Yes, Mel, I have two questions. LSU sure. has two wide receivers in the draft. Uh, uh, Malachi Dupree and, and Traven Doral, uh, what do you like about each one, and which one do you like better? And then uh, Jamal Adams, you seem to be very enamored of him and, and how he fits in in the NFL game. I wanted you to expand on what you said about him on your in your uh, mock draft. Yeah, I love Jamal Adams. I mean, his father, George Adams, scouted him coming out of Kentucky, so obviously great play. A lot of that this year with McCaffrey and a lot of players. Mahomes with his father being a baseball pitcher. Uh, it's just a lot of that, it seems like, over the years we've seen, the last two, three years. But you know, Jamal Adams is, is an outstanding player. I mean, he can do anything you want. Uh, you know, I guess they can cover on the back end as a center fielder. He can come up in the box. He can he tackles well. Uh, he's, he's, he works hard. So I think you know, he's going to be a premier player. I mean, it's just a question of, you know, where would you fit him in? I gave him the Jacksonville four. Chicago certainly could use a player with his capability. Uh, he's going to go very high. I mean, if you look at, at the big board and, and where he is right now, uh, at six, his grade is the exact same as the third player. So I'd say yeah, anywhere in that top three, four, five, uh, he could go, and I think it would be a heck of a pick for Jacksonville. In terms of Dupree, he gives you that big playability. Doral's the consistent guy, catches the ball. You want to see how they test, how they run. Dupree should run well and should test well. I think they're, I think Dupree maybe goes slightly ahead of Doral. Uh, but I would say Dupree in the second round, Doral more third round. Michael Nizolik, followed by Mike Taracco with ESPN's NFL Nation. Hey, Mel, you have uh, Carl Lawson outside the first round. I think you had four pass rushers uh, uh-huh. in the first mock draft. What put Lawson kind of outside that group? Is there anything beyond his injury history? What kind of puts him outside of your uh, top-tier pass rushers? That's it. That's the only thing, because I thought about giving him to several teams, picking in the late first, that, that certainly could use a pass rusher. When Carl Lawson's healthy and he's out there uh, you know, playing at a high level, he looks like a top-15 pick. Uh, I mean, he's been a heck of, but the, uh, the durability concerns are there. So uh, he's the eighth highest rated defensive end. He's right in there with Jordan Willis from Kansas State, right behind Charles Harris, who can play with his hand on the ground or play on his feet as a 3-4 outside linebacker. So, uh, really, you said it. The only thing that prevented me from putting Lawson in the first round was uh, that durability concern. Mike Taracco, followed by Dan Wiederer with the Chicago Tribune. Hey, Mel, can you just kind of go into why you picked uh, Jamal Adams and the Jags over an offensive tackle like maybe Cam Robinson or Cook or Fournette? Well, I think it was too high for Robinson, number one. I, uh, I went with, you know, where the grade of Adams was right in line where Robinson was down the line. Well, if he was a 12, he had the same grade as 17, 18. So, you know, I would take the 12th to 18th best player and pick number four. I want to get a guy right in there. And as I said, Adams' grade is anywhere between six and two, six and three. So it was in line, you know, with, uh, with the guys Garrett and Allen being gone. Uh, he was in line, and he filled that need. They need somebody on that back end that can play at that super high level, and Adams can do that. I, you know, like the Ken Robinson, to me, isn't worthy of being that high a pick. I didn't want seven because that's forcing a need to be filled by the uh, L.A. Chargers now. And then, like I say, Garrett Bowles I have in the first round, but not until 20, and I don't have Ramchek going until 23. Now, one of those two could, could jump up into the mid-first, maybe in, in that 12 to 15 area, but I, you know, when you're talking about four, you've got to get the – second or third best player on your board, at worst the fourth best player on your board. And I thought of the guys that we talked about, offensive tackles, nobody's in that category. And the only the player that does fill a need is Jamal Adams. Dan Wiederer, followed by Dan Duggan with NewJersey.com. Hey, Mel, a couple of Michigan guys for you. When, when you look at 
Jordan Lewis first, what in his skill set jumps out at you initially, and then also with Ryan Glasgow, wondered what your thoughts were on on what his ideal fit will be at the next level. Yeah, he reminds me a little of Kyle Williams, who had a heck of a career at LSU and ended up being a late round steal to the, or later I should say, not an early round pick, a later round pick to the to the Buffalo Bills and had a heck of a career. I think Glasgow can be that type of player. Uh, if you get him on day three, maybe even late day two, uh, I really like him. Uh, I thought he was, you know, he was a guy that really jumped out at me all year, and I, I, I kept looking at him. And every game, he made an impact. Uh, and he was consistent. So I, I like Glasgow in that, like I say, early day three area. Lewis, the height factor is an issue, but, yeah, he can cover. And he certainly he turns, he runs, he does everything you want from a technique standpoint uh, to be an effective corner in this league. Uh, the concern is, there's first of all, there's other corners who are a little bit bigger. Uh, but in terms of uh, week-to-week consistency over the last couple of years, Lewis was really up there with the top tier. Uh, I didn't put him in the first round. I, I think he's more of a two, an early to mid-two, uh, but he's got a lot of ability. Dan Duggan, followed by Tony Ducalis with the Anderson Star. Hey, Mel, I know you said with the Giants you haven't taken the uh, off the line from Wisconsin, but you said they could also target a pass rusher or a tight end. Just curious yep. who you put in that class, who, who might be there for them. Yeah, I was either going to go pass rusher or offensive tackle. I got down to Ramchick, Garrett Bowles, Taco Charlton, uh, you know, was in that mix at that particular point, Charles Harris, Derek Barnett. Those were the names I was considering, and it's like a puzzle when you're doing this first round. You, you put a guy here to make it a better for another team, so you're trying to make everybody kind of solve their some of their, one of their top two or three needs and also put the player in a, same, in a general proximity to where he'll go so or could go. And this is where we're really early because we don't even know how these underclassmen will test yet. But uh, yeah, I felt like defensive end you know, made sense. I thought even thought about Christian McCaffrey, but Paul Perkins' development late in the year mixed that. Uh, and like I said, they have to get enough. And if they can move uh, you know, Flowers over to the right side and Ramchek is an adequate left tackle, and same thing with Bowles, then they would help that offensive line and help out Eli Manning. If you want the pass rusher, say a Taco Charlton drops down that far. He would make a lot of sense. I would look at him over the offensive tackle. Uh, it depends upon their grade on the other offensive ends I mentioned, like Derek Barnett from Tennessee. So one of those two spots they should be able to fill with that pick. Tony Sukalis, followed by Brian Costello with the New York Post. Hey, Mel. Um, a couple of Alabama guys for you. Uh, you mentioned O.J. Howard early. He's a guy we've kind of seen uh, jump up some draft boards. Ultimately, what do you, what do you think his ceiling is? And uh, just, just what do you see in him if you could expand a little bit more? And, and also, Ardarius Stewart uh, is kind of a surprise early entry. I wanted to know what you, you thought of him as well. Sure. You said Howard, then I'll rush it. Who was the second guy you said? Ardarius Stewart, the wide receiver. So Howard and Stewart, yeah, yeah. to me, Howard's the borderline first. I gave him to New England. I could have given David and Joku from Miami to New England. So one of those two tight ends to New England I thought would have made sense at that point for the Patriots. Uh, or Darius Stewart, you know, yeah, you saw him throw the football and he did a big play in the national championship game. Another underutilized standout like Howard uh, because of obviously Jalen Hurts as it wasn't a, a prolific passer by any stretch. Uh, but had a heck of a year uh, in the you know, quarterbacking as a true freshman. But I think when you look at, at Stewart, uh, you know, if he tests well, right now I'm as the sixth best receiver. He's got a second round grade. So, uh, you know, he even said, yeah, but test well, I think I can get into the late first. So I don't know about that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, I'd say no worse than the second, with Howard probably somewhere in the late first, early second round. Brian Costello, followed by Grace Rayner with the Post and Courier. Mel, with uh, Lattimore at six to the Jets, what separates him from the other cornerbacks that you have uh, going high in this draft? 
Well, I, I think when you look at, at, at Lattimore, uh, you know, I just, every time you watched him, you saw a guy could be a shutdown corner. And, you know, he just was able to elevate his game and uh, you know, he just jumped out at you as a player. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Darrell Rebus in his prime or, or, or Richard Sherman or all that, but he's got a chance to be one heck of a corner. Patrick Peterson, I loved him coming out of LSU. I see similar, similar skill set. I see a similar ability. That's uh, what I saw of Peterson coming out of LSU, that he can be that lockdown guy. Uh, the other corners I thought were good. There were some things that maybe concerned you just a bit to say, are they going to be super elite? But they're going to be good. But will they be in that elite category? I think the one that has a chance to be one of the top three corners in the league is, is Lattimore. I really think he has a, high, high, a higher ceiling, I would say, than any of the other corners. That's why I have him up there in the, as far as grade at number 10 and have him going to the Jets at number 6. It could have very easily given him to Tennessee at number 5. Grace Rainer, followed by Kyle Meineke with MLive.com. Hey, Mel, just a couple of Clemson questions for you. Um, with sure. Tom Watson, you know, some of these monster drafts have him going in the top three picks, and some of them have him going all the way into the second round. Why is there such a large discrepancy of opinion on him? And then um, with Mike Williams, who does he remind you of? Yeah, a big receiver like that, and obviously the Mike Williams came out of USC, didn't pan out to the level I thought he was. So I hope he has a much better career moving forward. But, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he fits the mold of what you see in this league now, the, the big Julio Jones-type receivers, the Alshon Jeffries, the guys that can go high point the ball and are, are a mismatch against the smaller corners. So I think you saw what he could do in the national championship game. He was such a key element there. Throw it up and he'll go get it. Uh, he'll be like a power forward, and that's what Williams can do. Uh, yeah, I think when you look right now at Deshaun, yeah, it's trying to find the team. Like I said, you could have gone to the Jets. I don't see that because they have a, a coach that has to win. Uh, I could have very easily gotten him to Cleveland at 12. To put him up there at one or, or two or three, uh, based on a, the fact that he was a quarterback that I thought was a second rounder going into the final four, even going in, say, I want to say going into the latter portion of the season, to move him up that far, I couldn't do it. Now, you know, I understand anybody, bring somebody out there that puts him there. Uh, you know, I have him going 10. I thought that was a good spot at Buffalo. Could he go? Hey, hey Vince Young had that great bump from uh, the national championship game. He ended up going three. So I'm not going to say it's out of the question. I, I think that's a, that would be a quantum leap for me to go, like I say, from the early to mid-second all the way up to one, two, or three. It's happened before, though. And I have him at 10. So if you have him at 10 in January, on January 19th, come late April, yeah, I guess he could be up that high. Kyle Meineke, followed by Bill Rabinowitz with the Columbus Dispatch. Yeah, I know. Uh, Lions, the Lions need pass rushers. You know, that's a defensive line, linebacker. Uh, who at 21 makes sense for you? And in particular, do you think Taco Charlton could drop that far, or do you think that's another question? I don't. I, I think he'll be gone a little. I mean, he, I have him at 19. It's not that much difference. But I could have put Charlton a little higher. So I don't think he'll be there. And say, well, if he's at 19, he could be there at 21. Well, I could have put him up there at, at 12, say to Cleveland, if they didn't take, say, Miles Garrett. So um, yeah, I think he'll pass rusher. The best one I saw on the board when I did the projection with Charlton gone. The best pass rusher was Tim Williams, who's an outside linebacker at Alabama, who you can move around and get a lot of use out of coming off that edge. So, uh, and of course, if he didn't have the, you know, I mean, well, it was a good season, not spectacular. He looked like maybe even a top ten pick, uh, you know, going in based on what he did last year. So, uh, yeah, there's some pass rushers that they want to reach a little bit uh, and stretch a little bit for a Charles Harris. Uh, or, a, or even a Derek Barnett. I'm not saying it's a stretch for Barnett. Barnett's going to have to test well to go up, back up to where he was, which looks like a top 10 to 15 pick. So, uh, like I said, I have Tim Williams from Alabama going there at 21. Bill Rabinowitz, followed by Rich Campbell with the Chicago Tribune. 
Yes, now I have two questions, one on the 2016 Ohio State rookie class and one on the 2017 one. How does the 16th class compare with any others from one school in terms of NFL production as rookies? Um, secondly, you only have two Buckeyes in the first round of the mock draft. Um, how do you assess this group of Buckeyes, guys like Samuel, Elfline, Ron McMillan, et cetera? Well, you come off on the heels of what happened last year, which I never saw a class like that. I know we can go back in the history and find classes that were really, really spectacular. None like this, because you had the offensive star in Elliott, and you had the defensive star in Bosa, and then you had other guys who were doing a really good job as well. I mean, you think about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is the offensive MVP in most years, or offensive rookie of the year, I should say, in most years. Uh, Jalen Marshall, undrafted, even contributed with the Jets. Braxton Miller, what he did. Then you look at on the defensive side of the ball. Von Bell came on. Darren Lee had his moments. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on uh, from this program as to what these kids did, uh, were able to do as rookies. Like I so said, you have spectacular rookies like you did, and then you still have players coming out this year. I mean, Raquan McMillan should be a second-round pick. Conley, the corner, should be a, a second-round pick. As I said, you have Malik Hooker, the safety, could be a top you know, 20 pick, top 15 pick. I have him going to Washington at 17. Then you go to Noah Brown coming out. Surprised me, shocked me by coming out early. I thought he could have gone back for another year and really helped himself. He could go third or fourth round. Curtis Samuel could go early second round. Elfline, I have a third round grade one right now. So to, to come off of that year and still have all these high picks this year is pretty amazing. We'll go to Rich Campbell, followed by Ryan Mink with BaltimoreRavens.com. So what are, do you see the strengths and weaknesses are in Patrick Mahomes and Antonio Pipkin? You know, I think with Mahomes, the only concern I have, and it's, 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 a, it's, like, it's a major concern for some people, is that coming out of that Texas Tech Red Raider offense. It, you know, like I said, that's the, the issue. There's no issue physically. There's no issue with arm strength and the mobility and all that and character and attitude and approach. So I think of the system, how much, you know, will that, you know, push him down, I still think he deserves to be a second-round pick. Wouldn't shock him if he went in the late first round. So I think with Pitkin, when you watch him, you see a kid who could have played in any major college that needed, obviously, a quarterback to play at a solid level. Uh, he'll be at the Senior Bowl. That'll be important for him, as will the Combine and his pro day. I have Pipkin right now as the 10th best quarterback in this draft. I could see him becoming, depending upon what happens in these these two and you know these two venues coming up, uh, the Senior Bowl and then the Combine or his pro day. I could see him being in the fifth or seventh round discussion. Ryan Mink followed by Robert Cessna with the Bryan College Station Eagle. Now, you gave Jabril Peppers to to the Ravens at 16. Uh, what made you pick him over Malik Hooker if, if you see Malik is more of a coverage safety? And, it, and if you're picking a cornerback for the Ravens, who makes the most sense for them in the first round? Well, it's, it's two different, completely different styles. I mean, Malik is a center fielder with great ball skills. He's not a, the enforcer, the aggressive tackler that some of these other guys are. And Peppers can, can play a lot of roles, you know, for a, a creative defensive coordinator. And uh, that all that Dayon Buchanan, uh, Buchanan comparison is, is valid. Uh, if you don't want a safety, remember, Buda Baker is going to go high. I mean, I gave Buda Baker at Houston at 25. I almost pushed him up a little higher than that. I don't think he's a heck of a player. So, you know, Buda Baker's grade is right in there with Hooker and Peppers right now. Simple, close enough, put it that way. Um, if you want a corner at that point, you would probably be looking at either Wilson or Tabor, if one of the two Florida corners slipped down that far, 
or a Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, uh, or Sidney Jones, Washington. But I think the safeties, if you get down to that point, the safeties will have a higher grade. I think Hooker and, uh, and Peppers, and even Buda Baker might have a slightly higher grade. That's why the safety may be a little bit more in play. Like saying Wes, a Tabor, or a Wilson, uh, you would slip down to the pick at 16. Robert Cessna, followed by Dave Southern with the Idaho Statesman. Your thoughts on Texas A&M's other players, uh, Josh Reynolds, Justin Evans, Avery Genesee, Ricky Seals-Jones, and Deshaun Hall. Yeah, of the players you mentioned, I have the highest grade on Evans right now. Uh, Hall's got, obviously has that pass rush ability coming off the edge, but uh, he's more of a third, fourth-round type prospect. I think Evans is going to be intriguing moving forward. I like him, a solid, steady player on the back end. Uh, I think he'll have a nice career. The receivers, you know, Reynolds, uh, Seals Jones and, and Norrell, to me, never maximized that ability. Reynolds came the closest to it. Uh, Genesee, the, you know, the offensive tackles at A&M, it, it takes some time to adjust to the NFL. Uh, I have a third or fourth round grade on him. I, the receivers, as I said, are down the line. I thought one of those three would clearly be one of the top 10 receivers or top 12 receivers, and none of the three are right now. So, uh, like I said, of the group you mentioned, I would probably say right now Evans may have the highest grade. Dave Southern, followed by Jason Galloway with the Wisconsin State Journal. Hi, Mel. Wanted to ask you about uh, your thoughts on Boise State running back Jeremy McNichols, and then maybe uh, anyone else in Boise State you might see uh, that are, that might be able to be uh, drafted this, this year. Yeah, McNichols is going to have, I think, uh, you know, depending upon how he tests, because obviously you have to get the computer numbers on these backs. But uh, yeah, he's you know the production's there, the versatility's there. I would say fourth, fifth round is where I would you know, say right now for him. I like Thomas Spurbeck uh, a lot uh, as a late-round pick uh, or a priority free agent. I think he can make it as a slot receiver in this league with his smarts and his hands and his concentration. Uh, the production was off the charts. Uh, so I would think Spurbeck is one of the intriguing late-round wide receivers in this draft. Jason Galloway followed by Jared Lloyd with the Pro Bowl Daily Herald. Hey, man, I wanted to ask you about a couple of Wisconsin guys, uh, Corey Clement and Vince Beagle. What, uh, what round do you see those two going, and, and what do you kind of like or dislike about those two players? Well, Clement, I mean, he moves the chains, and he's got good body lean. And, uh, you know, this is a kid who's the tenth running back on the board right now. I could see him in the third or fourth round. Beagle gives you everything he has. I mean, he's 100 miles an hour. He gets into that backfield. He's a pretty good pass rusher. He gets you some coverage sacks. Uh, he's the eighth highest rated outside linebacker right now. So that would be, I think, both those kids early day three, uh, you know what you're getting. They're veterans. They were productive. Uh, they give you great effort and great intensity. Uh, you know, like, let's say Clement and Beagle, those are the kind of guys you can win a lot of games with. Jared Lloyd, followed by Dave Burkett with the Detroit Free Press. Hey, Mel, you touched on Jamal Williams from BYU, wondering yep. what you see his future being, as well as a couple of BYU defenders. Harvey Longy moved around a lot. And Kai Nakua had a lot of interceptions. Just wonder your thoughts on them as well. Yeah, I think in terms of, of the defensive players, I have more later round possibilities there. Williams have a third round grade on. I like the fact, I mean, this is a kid that has enough wiggle. Uh, he gets the tough yards. Uh, yeah, I think he's the kind of guy, you know, I have him right behind Samaje Pirine and Matt Days, uh, Pirine from Oklahoma, Days from NC State as the eighth best running back. So as I said, I had Clement. So I have Williams a little bit ahead of Corey Clement, who I like. So uh, I think Williams has a chance. I think he has a chance to be a solid number two back. Maybe not a big-time you know, 20 to carry uh, game guy. And we don't have a lot of that right now in the league. Uh, but I think he's a complimentary number two back. Dave Burkett followed by Brooke Pryor with the Oklahoman.
Hey, thanks for the call, Mel. Um, Lions have been uh, one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL for a while now. How would you go about addressing those issues if, in the draft this year if you were Bob Quinn, and, and could you see them you know, possibly taking a running back in round one? I think right now you know, it would be certainly something to consider if the back that you wanted was there. And I, there's going to be. I mean, if Dalvin Cook were there, yeah, I think you'd almost have to. Tristan McCaffrey would make sense. I have 15 on the board. You're picking at 21. Uh, Deontay Foreman uh, out of Texas would be another one. Now, if you're looking even down the line, there's great depth at running back pretty much every year. Improved out Russia. Like Jordan Howard, look what he did. Paul Perkins, both fifth-round picks. Kenneth Dixon in the fourth round. Look at Devontae Booker. Washington to Oakland. I mean, a lot of these teams did really well picking running backs down the line. Uh, and none of the final four uh, teams in the NFL right now drafted a running back, have, have a running back on the field that went in the first round. Uh, that's making a key contribution. And uh, of the 12 playoff teams, 11 of them had running backs didn't go in the first round. Only one did was Zeke Elliott in Dallas. So you can find these guys. I'll give you a couple other names of guys in day three. Kareem Hunt at Toledo on a day three pick. I think would make an awful lot of sense for somebody. Uh, I mentioned some of the other running backs as well. I already, on this, uh, on this conference call, mentioned D'Angelo Henderson from Coastal Carolina. Tremendously productive player who's got an awful lot of ability. So this is another year where you can get running backs on day three that can come in and really help your football team. Brooke Pryor, followed by Alex Byington with the Decatur Daily. Hey, Mel, got a couple of OU questions for you. Sure. Uh, Joe Mixon's a guy that has a top five, you said top five ability-wise, uh, but how much do those off-the-field issues kind of drop his outlook? And then Charles Walker's a guy who left OU early to kind of pursue the NFL draft and get ready for that. How much did that decision kind of impact where you see him falling this year? There's good questions on both because you really don't know how 32 teams are going to view this. Everybody, I think, will look at it differently. Talent will win out with some teams, and both these kids are supremely talented. Uh, the injury status with Walker, he'll obviously be checked out at the Combine, but shutting it down the way he did, preparing for uh, the draft, leaving his team behind, all that, that's all being factored in. Uh, but, you know, on ability, I think Walker, if you just throw everything out on ability, had he played a full year this year, he'd have been a first-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, now you're looking down the line. Evan is the seventh best defensive tackle with a second or third round possibility. Uh, I think in terms of mixing another one, I guess, how do you view that? Uh, you look at Tyreek Hill with a fifth round pick to the Chiefs, a controversial fifth round pick, and he ended up having a great rookie year and he helped the Chiefs get into the playoffs and, and, uh, and, and win a lot of games. So, and was a key performer. So, um, yeah, you know, Mixon right now on ability is the fifth running back uh, with a second-round grade. So, you know, will he go a little lower than that? Maybe. But, uh, you know, both those kids, I think, talent ultimately with 32 teams. Uh, somebody, talent's going to win out probably with both of them, and they'll probably go sometime on day two. Alex Byington, followed by Rich Samini with ESPN.com. Hey, Mel. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of uh, – I know you've got, like, five Alabama guys going in the first round, but – uh, a couple of underrated guys that weren't in your, your first-round mock, mm-hmm. uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and Ryan Anderson. Just Can you break down what, what you like about them and kind of where you have them slotted? I like Dalvin Tomlinson a lot. I mean, I had written him up on ESPN.com as an under-the-radar guy. doesn't get nearly enough publicity. I mean, he can, I think, you know, handle double teams. He's a guy I feel like got into the backfield and wreaked some havoc. Uh, he's certainly a real good uh, player, defensive tackle against the run. Uh, he gives you some versatility. I, I, I love his consistency, his durability. I like him. I have him right now as the eighth-best defensive tackle in a strong defensive tackle group. 
As I said, if you go to ESPN.com, you can see everything I wrote about him uh, back during the season. Uh, real good player. I think a third-round pick for Tomlinson, I would say. In terms of Anderson, uh, yeah, just a great college player. He knows how to get to the quarterback. He's got tremendous technique. He's slippery coming off the edge. He plays incredibly hard. He's just got a nose for the ball, and he's always in the middle of the action. Look at the, the national championship game. If it wasn't for Hunter Renfro making that tackle, that probably saved the day for Clemson. When he, he strips, he gets a sack in the strip, and his run looks like he's getting taken into the end zone, and it gets tackled. But I was the fourth-best outside linebacker. I had him in the top 25 at one point during the regular season. Now I have him around 34. So I have an early second-round grade on Ryan Anderson. Rich Samini followed by Mark Podolsky with the News Herald. Okay, actually, um, Rich stepped away from the call. Okay, thanks, Justin. We'll go to Mark Podolsky with the News Herald. What would it take for Mitch Trubisky from today till April 27th? What would he need to do to overtake Derek as the number one overall pick? And a, and a second question, you know, in the past you said that running backs, you know, aren't worthy of you know, first-round mm-hmm. picks. you got two guys going in the first round and 12. you got the Browns picking Cook. Have you changed your stance? No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not, this is a mock draft, not a personal preference draft. So, you know, last year Elliott was projected to go where he did, and he went. And like I said, I, if the offensive coordinator and the head coach have to have a player, you say, okay, you know, if he's of his grade is worthy, fine. I would never take a running back in the first round any year. And like I said, last time I checked, 11 of the 12 teams in the playoff didn't have a first-round running back, and the Final Four have no first-round running back starting right now. So, you know, I think it proves out. Uh, over the long haul. Obviously, you know, Zeke Elliott had a great year, and he certainly helped uh, Dallas get to where they were, as did Dak Prescott, who I would have said was Offensive uh, Rookie of the Year. But, you know, you look at doesn't it impact where these guys are going to go this year, doesn't impact next year, the year after. Nothing that happened impacts the ability of these players is what determines where they're graded, not whether a running back, you know, and some teams disagree with that. But they think you can take a running back in the first, and you need to take running backs in the first. And these kids this year, whether it be Fournette, whether it be Cook, whether it be McCaffrey, or even Deontay Foreman from Texas, they are deserving of being in the first-round discussion, some even in the high first-round discussion. Would it affect my philosophy? No. Uh, my philosophy has always been never take a running back in the first round, and that stands right now even after what Elliott did, because I knew Elliott was going to be a great player. I knew Adrian Peterson was going to be a great player. Has Adrian Peterson been in the Super Bowl? No. Uh, like I say, so and like I said, when 11 out of 12 teams in the playoffs don't have a first-round running back, I think that's proof positive that's a good philosophy. We'll go to Leo Roth, followed by Joven Alford with the Philadelphia Tribune. Oh, hi, Mel. Um, if, if fan, uh, Bill's fans are obviously skeptical after E.J. Manuel went number 11. Um, if it is Watson to them, obviously that's going to cause a, uh, a great stir. But compared to E.J., is, is this as risky a pick? And if he makes it in the NFL, what kind of offense do you think he needs to operate to be successful? Well, he can throw the football. I mean, you know, you look at him when he moves around. He threw better, I thought, late in the year from the pocket. Uh, he's a great kid. He'll work hard, which is the critical part of the whole equation. He certainly has the arm to make the throws you want. Is he accurate enough from the pocket? That's the big question. Uh, but you know, you're talking about the first round, not the third or fourth round. You're talking about maybe a top ten pick, not a late one. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's hard. To, you know, I don't have as high a grade on Watson as it would, you know, you'd think based on going 10th. I have him right now as a 36th player on the board, um, not 10th. But quarterbacks get forced up. So is there some uh, risk-reward there? Yeah. It's, it depends on what kind of grade Buffalo ultimately has on Watson. 
Uh, but I do think he's going to go somewhere top 10 to 15. If it's not Buffalo, it'll be somebody else. We'll go to Joven Alford, followed by Jeremy Layton with the New York Post. Hey, Mel, this is uh, Jovan. Um, I saw that you had the Eagles going with Quincy Wilson at 14. How do you think he fits in to Jim Swartz's scheme? And if the Eagles do go cornerback in the first round, where do you think they go in the second round? Well, yeah, I think in terms of the first round uh, and taking a guy like Quincy Wilson, uh, you know, he's well-rounded, certainly. Uh, you know, he can tackle, and that's the, the key part. John Gruden will be talking about that a lot. Uh, the first night of the draft. Now, important it is you can't, in this league, with all the short passes that take place, you got to be able to tackle, and he can do that. And I think that's the, the why he has a grade as to where he does. So if you get a Quincy Wilson, then you ask yourself, okay, who's the wide receiver? Which you got to get one. Who's the wide receiver we get in the second round? Well, if Corey Davis from Western Michigan were there, it would be a no-brainer. John Ross, Washington, same thing. How about Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, the versatile running back receiver? He could be there. Juju Smith-Schuster, USC, could be there. But I think if you want speed, You'd probably, and I think our Darius Stewart should run adequately. I think he could be a possibility coming out of Alabama. An under-the-radar guy I like is the junior Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech. I think he could be a really good third or fourth round pick. And if you want a, a really good third or fourth round pick as well, Cooper Cup out of Eastern Washington would be another one. So I think in the second round area, uh, I would probably you know, hope that, like I say, either a Davis or a Ross would be there. And if they weren't, uh, the guys I mentioned, I thought the third, second, third, fourth round would make a lot of sense. Jeremy Layton, followed by Jenna Lane with ESPN.com. Hey, Mel. Um, a lot of quarterback needy teams at the top of the draft, but like you said, not the strongest class. Um, which teams do you think are more likely to reach for a guy like Trubisky or Watson, and which do you think are more likely to look for maybe a trade with Jimmy Garoppolo or Tony Romo or look elsewhere? Yeah, I think Cleveland, I think, could look at that trade possibility. I think San Francisco, because you have a new coach coming in like Kyle Shanahan, Mitch Trubisky fits that system. I think that would be a perfect fit. Uh, like I say, in Cleveland, you know, you think about getting a quarterback at 12. They possibly could get the Sean Watson there for Hugh Jackson. Chicago, uh, what route are they going to go? Uh, you know, you think about the Jets at 6. Uh, like I said, Cleveland uh, at 12, Buffalo Bills at 10. So uh, any one of those teams uh, certainly could be in the mix for a quarterback. Uh, but I would think, you know, right now, Garoppolo, I would say uh, the Cleveland Browns would be uh, the one that would make the most sense for me would be Cleveland. Then you could utilize the pick on Miles Garrett, get the pass rusher, come back at 12. If you want to take a running back, you want to take an offensive lineman, uh, you could at that point. Uh, you know, you could really help your football team more so by making the deal for Garoppolo than you could by, like I say, taking, you know, Trubisky, who's a local product. His dream has been to play for the Cleveland Browns. So you couldn't argue with it, but they got to develop Trubisky. And do they want to go another year with a quarterback that they have right now, say, Cody Kessler. He would be your quarterback again, or RG3. Or go out and get somebody else as a stopgap measure, okay, the bridge to get to Trubisky, because I don't think Trubisky, after one year as a starting quarterback, it would have shocked me if he was able to play at a high level as a rookie in the NFL. Jenna followed by Bob Lazier with the Daily Herald. Hi, Mel. Um, two questions. Uh, sure. I know you've already answered questions about Taco Charlton, but in terms of where he's at, in his development as a pass rusher and, and getting his pass rush moves. And also, and I know you mentioned Noah Spence in your write-up as well, how would you kind of figure in bringing a guy like Charlton in in relation to a guy like Noah Spence and also one of their current starters, Robert Ayers? 
Yeah, I mean, Ayers is a veteran. He's been he's been a heck of a player throughout his career. Uh, Spence showed great promise, and now you bring in a Charlton. That would, I mean, you would be, I think, for for Mike Smith, you'd be well on your way. The pass pressure is so critical in this league. You got to be able to get. You got to have multiple pass rushers, not just look at what Seattle's done over the years. That kind of that blueprint, multiple speed rushers off the edge, and then get the push up, in, up the gut with McCoy. I mean, that would be a great, uh, I think, like a great formula. Uh, to continue to improve this football team. So, you know, Charlton, to me, the way he played when he came back after missing those couple games, he, he was remarkable. I mean, and, and finishing it off strong as well against Florida State. So, uh, you know, Taco Charlton, I'm at 19. He could very easily go a little bit earlier than that. Maybe in the top, they say 7 to 12, 7 to 15 area, and I'd even be available for Tampa Bay. Bob Laguerre, followed by Chris McKee with SD Nation. Hey, Mel, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, you, you got Trubisky going second. If that happens, is Watson or Kaiser worth uh, the number three pick for the Bears a quarterback? And is there a possibility uh, Kaiser could be around for their pick in the second round? Yeah, I would think Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame would be there in the second round. I, I, you know, I watch Notre Dame. I'm a big Notre Dame fan. And to watch him and, and, and see the struggles. Uh, in terms of decision making, uh, you know, late getting rid of the football at times, uh, you know, just didn't have, you know, the, the year that you would have thought, you, you know, you, you expected that, number one, and then you thought, but the year being thought very average, that he would have gone back for another year. But, you know, but the system doesn't fit him. I understand that. But if you, you know, if you don't play at a high level at Notre Dame, how are you going to be expected to play at a high level in the NFL? But he's got physical and athletic talent, big strong arm kid, athletic. He, he, he looks the part. Uh, but he didn't play like you expected. So I think second round more so for him. Uh, I wouldn't say third pick overall by any stretch. But I would say, you know, if it's not Trubisky, uh, Watson to me would be a stretch at that point as well. Um, and I don't think Trubisky will be there at three. I think either Cleveland or San Francisco will take the uh, the kid from North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky. I don't think he'll drop to that third spot. If he did, then the Bears would have to be in play uh, for Trubisky. Yeah. Watson, that's just a little high, but could it happen by late April? Yes, it could. But, no, I don't think Kaiser uh, that early, no. Chris McKee, followed by Emmett Golden with ESPN Cleveland. Hey, Mel. I've written a few stories about this two-sport player down at Texas Southern, Derek Griffin. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just quit He's just quit basketball midseason to focus on the NFL draft. One, does he have any hope in hell of being drafted? Two, what do you know about the kid? Yeah, he's a chance. And like I said, these are kids that you go back and you keep looking at and you say, okay, where are they going to be come late April? And, you know, that's, again, where you're not going to see the same situation now that you do then. And late April is a long way off. You want guys that can make plays down the field and be a, you know, a fear factor player and a mismatch. And there's a number of guys uh, this year that have that ability. I think ultimately this offensive draft will catch up to the defense. It's not there yet because the senior group, wasn't as good as the underclassmen group. The underclassmen group of running backs and wide receivers, and even the Tommy two of the, or three of the tight ends that are coming, are spectacular. So that's going to make this draft, I think, catch up by late April. But certainly uh, on ability and on potential, uh, you know, you would think fourth to sixth round. I'm told Emmett has dropped, so we will go to Clifton Brown with Comcast Mid Atlantic. Yeah, Mel, uh, the Rangers sure. have been. Ravens have been kind of clear that uh, they're doing a lot of things to try and make this team uh, help Joe Flacco as much as they can uh, for next year. So if that's their philosophy going into the draft, what do you see as some of the things they might do in the first uh, two or three rounds to help Flacco? 
Well, the offensive line should be fine. Uh, that, that group, you know, making the, the, the additions and, and going out and getting a Ronnie Stanley and, a, and an Alex Lewis, I think really helped that line. Uh, you know, I think you look at tight end as an area you need to address at some point. How long is Dennis Pitta going to be able to play at a solid level? Uh, with his injury situation there from previous years, but he's still producing. But I think another tight end, because Flacco is heavy going to the tight end. Uh, he loves, you know, that, that's obviously a, a critical area for them. Uh, I mean, there are some tight ends that can play at a high level coming out of this draft. Uh, I think wide receivers, certainly. I mean, Perriman showed flashes late in the year and during the season, uh, and then Smith not coming back uh, would likely hurt you because he was still your best receiver. Um, so wide receiver, and I think they'll make maybe, maybe possibly make a move for Alshon Jeffrey, Terrell Pryor, somebody out there. They've gone that route with Lee Evans. They've gone that route with Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith. I think they need to go that route again. Also draft a receiver. I think you look at a pass rusher. Now, Bronson Kafusi coming off the injury could be. I want to see what Kamale Correa has next year. They kind of redshirted him this year. So a pass rusher possibly, but I think corner safety. That's why I gave them peppers. Whether it's a cor- they got to get a corner, they got to get a safety. And I think uh, you know at that point, that might be the direction they go at 16. We're going to do one more question before Mel has to run off to NFL studio shows. But a big thank you to all of our media. I'm sorry that I couldn't get to all of you. But as you do know, we will have more calls as the draft nears. Last question will go to James Crapia with AL.com. Let's start with Rudy Ford, uh, who played more at nickel uh, than at deep safety, where you're projecting him. And uh, Josh Holsey is a fifth-year senior, but he has the multiple ACL pairs. Is he even draftable with that kind of injury history? Well, you know, probably late. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as far as, you know, where I'm looking at right now in terms of the board is concerned, I would say probably, you know, you look at it and say the medical part is important for all these kids, but I'd say, you know, fifth to seventh round uh, is a possibility. Um, but more than likely, you look at, you know, only seven rounds, not 12 rounds, could still go undrafted possibly. But uh, I would say late rounds is, is in the, in the, within the realm of possibility there. We can say one more, Al, if you want. Let's see. We'll go to Nick Baumgartner with MLive Media Group. Just one second. Oh, the best pass rusher in the draft. Does that, does that include uh, Miles Garrett? I mean, how are you defining that uh, overall? Well, I think the best pass rusher is Garrett. I think uh, you know, in terms of, if you say, outside pass rushers that can play on their feet, uh, then you would probably go there with Pat McKinley from UCLA. Uh, who had a spectacular year with the Bruins. But I would say as a down pass-rushing defensive end, ideally suited for a 4-3 defense, it would be Miles Garrett. If you look at a 3-4 scenario, uh, probably Pat McKinley, uh, more so than Tim Williams. I think McKinley moved ahead of Williams from Alabama this year. And another guy who's got tremendous versatility, and he dominated this year, and he had a great end of the season, was Solomon Thomas at Stanford. So if you want a, a great player there, it would be Thomas, uh, the best three-technique pass rusher inside. I think it would be Jonathan Allen from Alabama. So you've got a variety of guys. You've got your guy that can be an edge guy. you got the guy that can be playing on his feet in a 3-4. you got a three technique, and you got a versatile guy, a dynamo like Solomon Thomas. So this defensive draft is spectacular. As I said before, some of these underclassmen are going to make the offensive side a lot better. Uh, but overall right now, uh, like I say, fantasy league people won't really like this draft because it's going to be really helping defenses really improve next year and the year after. A sincere thanks to all of you. Really appreciate your time and your patience. The audio replay will be available via ESPN's Pod Center page, and that's on ESPN.com. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. That does conclude today's conference call. We do thank you for your participation today.